Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. Glad to have you with us here on Wall Builders. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. Appreciate you joining us. Also here with David and Tim Barton. David, as everybody knows, is America's premier historian. Tim Barton is a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And all three of us, you can find out more about us at our website, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. Either of those sites, you can make that one-time or monthly contribution. Thanks for coming alongside us in that way. And lastly, be sure and join us on April 22nd. Big groundbreaking for Patriot Academy. Going to be incredible. Lauren Bobert with us, uh, John Rich, uh, Tim Barton. we got Mark Meckler, uh, just uh, Laura Logan. There's going to be a ton of people there, and uh, we would love for you to be there. In fact, we want want you to come to the groundbreaking, but also stay over and do your constitutional defense course. If you haven't done that with us yet, you need to. It's a great opportunity for you to learn handgun defense and constitutional knowledge at the same time, and you get to be part of that first class on the Patriot Academy campus. We'll be doing them almost every week after that, but something about being in the inaugural class. We'd love to have you with us. Going to have a great time. Anyway, Wall Builders is an opportunity to help rebuild the walls. We're literally working to rebuild the foundations of America, to get the good stuff in, to solve the civic and biblical ignorance that got us in this mess, by teaching civic and biblical literacy. We're glad that you're a part of it. Hope that you will do that in your community as well. Become a Constitution coach. Start teaching people these principles. Get your church to host a biblical citizenship class. So many different things that you can do. And it's always good to uh, to, to be a part of the solution and not just sit around and complain about the problems. All right, David and Tim, time to dive into some good news. I know our listeners, if they're new and they haven't been with us for a whole week yet, they may be thinking we're calling this Good News Friday because it's, well, you know, Good Friday. But we do Good News Friday every Friday, and uh, especially on Good Friday. And the whole idea is to bring good news from across the country, all kinds of stories out there that we can share where we are restoring biblical values in the culture. So what do you all want to start with on Good Friday for Good News Friday? Well, there's so many good stories out there, and I'm going to take one that, that we've really hit a couple times in the last few months, and it's going back to New York City and, and Mayor Eric Adams. And I, I mean, this is, I just keep getting more and more impressed with what he's doing. I certainly I don't agree with everything he's doing because I tend to be conservative. He doesn't tend to be. But my goodness, he is so open about putting God and Christ at the center of his life. He gives us testimony. Uh, he grew up in what is known as the Kojic Church. Church of God in Christ. He's now in a non-denominational church, but he's assembled all these faith-based summits in New York City, saying if we're going to solve our problems, we've got to get faith back in it. And he's even criticized in the schools. He says, you know, we want we want our kids being strong, and we've got this mental health problem going with our kids. And if we can get faith back in, that's going to going to make a difference. He says we've got to introduce faith and wellness back into our families. And he said, I'm baffled that you talk about cannabis in schools, but you can't talk about faith. I'm baffled. I'm baffled that we don't understand the importance of faith. I mean, this is the mayor of New York City, and he's sounding like a lot of of you know red state mayors or, or red city mayors. And granted, I mean, in New York City, you know, from a Texas standpoint, there's so many places where they're crazy. But when you start out with an acknowledgement of God and he gives his testimony on, on how God shifted his life and changed him and, and has dramatic, he's had a dramatic conversion. And he's talking about how we got to have prayer back in the public schools in New York City. 
And, and it's talking about you've got to identify as a Christian. I, I just think it is super, super good that you have a mayor in New York City that is going back and saying, God's the solution. Here's where you get your problems fixed. Go back to God. Man, if we can agree on, on starting point with God, we can talk about all sorts of other stuff and solve that later. But I am so thrilled that he keeps doing this and and he's getting beat up for it. You know, I think this is maybe the third time in two months we talked about it and he gets beat up every time an article comes out and he doubles down. And so I think that's really cool, too, that that Mayor Adams is really doubling down and getting stronger. The more they criticize and the more open he becomes about his faith. And hopefully we can all learn to do the same thing. Get open about our faith. And if we take criticism, double down and, and you know just keep doing it. But this is a great story out of New York City. Yeah, David, when I first saw that story, I thought, you know, I thought a lot about how many times over the years you've said, uh, and Tim, you as well, hey, it'd be great if we had faith people in both parties. You know, we'd love to see Christians influential in both parties or have leaders of both parties get back to how it used to be where, I mean, how many quotes of presidents that are Democrats like Truman and FDR and others where they talked about the importance of the Bible, they talked about faith. Wouldn't it be nice if we had that coming out of both parties again? And here you have, you know, one of the one of the largest, um, you know, Democrat officials uh, in the country, largest city uh, of a Democrat mayor. And like you said, David, definitely, you know, he's way liberal on a lot of stuff, but this is good for the country. Uh, wouldn't it be nice, guys? We keep saying revival in the country. How about revival in the Democrat Party? How would that be? Oh, man. Well, in, in fairness, we probably could use revival in both parties. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. You know, a, a lot of churches need some revivals inside their church. But, guys, one of the things. I mean, Rick, you pointed out, we, we, we've talked for a long time about wouldn't it be great if uh, you, you have both political parties arguing for which one is more biblical or more godly and, and, and recognizing or arguing their positions based on biblical truth. And what's great about having an individual like this, and Dad, you mentioned, I mean, we certainly disagree with a vast majority of his political policy decisions, but the reality he's acknowledging faith is important because if we can't acknowledge there's a God, th then you lose the fundamental basis of the even idea or possibility of morality, where the founding fathers acknowledged that we all these truths be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. If there is no God, he didn't create us. We don't have God-given rights that were given to us by our creator. There's, there's a fundamental basis that starts with acknowledging God. And uh, just earlier this week, Dad, you and I had the opportunity to be down in Austin uh, testifying with uh, one, one of our, our good friends. We've actually had him on the program several times before. Uh, he's a Texas State Senator, Phil King. He introduced a piece of legislation that was to put the Ten Commandments back up in public schools in Texas. And this is something that largely because of Supreme Court decision last year with the Coach Kennedy decision, who Coach Kennedy was the football coach from Bremerton, Washington, who at the end of a football game, he would go take a knee on the football field and he would just pray and thank God for opportunities, for freedom, for football, for his players, whatever came to mind. And the school told him, no, he ends up getting fired because he wouldn't stop praying. And the Supreme Court, when they determined the school was wrong for firing him and he had to be reinstituted, had to get his job back, the Supreme Court acknowledged that the reason the school had had taken that wrong position is because there was bad precedent from earlier courts. There was a case back in 1971, Lemon v. Kurtzman, where the Supreme Court said that, that if there's anything outwardly religious, basically it's, it's not tolerated. What they said is you can only have a religious expression if it's not intended to be religious, if there's uh, right. If, if there's no religious component, then you're allowed to do it. Well, that, that's just that, that is dumb. You don't do religious things for to to be anti-religious, right? That, that that's really silly. But this was kind of their standard. That was overturned 
this last summer in the Coach Kennedy decision. The U.S. Supreme Court said that uh, unequivocally, they are removing Lemon. That was bad precedent. It's it's not going to be the way going forward. Well, because of that, since 1971, more than 7,300 cases have, and I think we've covered this on air before, but more than 7,300 cases have uh, been lost in this Lemon decision where under Lemon, they said, hey, you, you can't have nativity scenes up in public. You can't have prayer in schools. You can't have prayer at graduations. You can't have prayer in city council meetings or school boards. You can't have Ten Commandments displayed, et cetera. On they go. Anything that would have a religious expression, a religious display, they said you couldn't do. And one of those things was displaying the Ten Commandments. In 1980, there was a Supreme Court decision, Stone v. Graham, where the U.S. Supreme Court said that you can't display a copy of the Ten Commandments. And they cited the Lemon decision as the the foundation, their, the, the precedent that was set to give them this position well, now that limit has been overturned, you actually, arguably legally, constitutionally, under modern interpretation, because arguably constitutionally, you always should have been able to display the Ten Commandments, but under modern interpretation by our modern Supreme Court, they're back to acknowledging, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments fundamentally don't violate any constitutional principle for them to be displayed in public school. And so Senator Phil King from Texas brought this legislation forward saying we should actually have the Ten Commandments back in school. Uh, we were able to go down there. One of our good friends, Matt Krause, who is now an attorney with First Liberty, that's Kelly Shackelford's organization. Um, he was there. And so dad, you, me, and Matt were all down there. Matt gave legal perspective. You gave a historic perspective. And I was able to, to give a, a lot of the what I thought was the basic common sense moral perspective, the moral argument for the Ten Commandments. Um, and so, Dad, I feel like it's it's even worth acknowledging now as we're talking about a, a Democrat mayor acknowledging God, why this is great is because it helps us have a foundation. If we can get back to acknowledging there is a God and, and there is truth, there are morals, then there is hope for restoring some of these values in society. Um, but but let, let's go back. So, Dad, you, you were able to talk about some of the historic reasons for the Ten Commandments. What What was part of the argument you laid out, um, just so all the listeners will know, because this is something, by the way, that we we hope and pray this kind of legislation will be introduced in all 50 states, but let's back up. So, Dad, what is part of the historic precedent for this? Well, I was able to show, and, and it was really cool because we've talked before, we have so many original documents, and we took a bunch of those down to, to Austin to show the legislators. This is not just our opinion. This is what happens. And and one of the things is we took some of the very earliest educational books and leaders in the United States and show that they taught the Ten Commandments as a foundational piece. Um, the, the, the first textbook published in America in 1690, that first grade textbook had 43 questions on the Ten Commandments. It's like, what's the Fifth Commandment? What's the reason annexed to the Fifth Commandment? What's forbidden the Fifth Commandment? What's permitted in the Fifth Commandment? 43 questions for first graders. And then the famous McGuffey readers that sold hundreds of millions. They had the Ten Commandments, and Noah Webster and all the books he did. His History of the United States has a section on the Ten Commandments. So we went through all these textbooks. Then we showed how that the Ten Commandments had been placed in schools back in the 1940s. The, the Fraternal Order of Eagles, not a religious group at all. They put up 10,000 copies of the Ten Commandments in school classrooms as a secular group, realizing, Tim, as you said, the, the moral benefits of this thing. And then we talked about how the Ten Commandments movie came out with Cecil B. DeMille. And, and as people went to watch the movie in the theaters, they got a brochure when they walked in and said, hey, here's all the actors, Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner, et cetera. But you need to know, America's got 32 million laws. And that was back you know, in 1956. 
and said, if we'd live by the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't need 32 million laws. So that was the moral message being given to the public. And then we we looked at when it was taken out of schools and, and when it was taken out. Tim, you mentioned Stone v. Graham. At that point, we had had the Ten Commandments constitutionally legal and permissible in schools for 191 consecutive years. And suddenly the Supreme Court gets this brainy idea that we don't need them anymore. 190. You can't tell me they were unconstitutional because you used them 191 years. We just got a bunch of activists on the court who didn't want them. And Tim, as you pointed out, it's now turning back the other way. And so looking at, at Texas, we really think that's a good possibility. We may see that bill go forward. Well, and also I want to follow up because after you were able to give some of the historic context, we started Matt giving the legal perspective first because, right, if this is not legal, then it would be a uphill battle for them anyway. So we wanted them to know, guys, this is totally legal for you to do now. You gave the historic precedent because part of overcoming some of the legal hurdles is if there's a historic precedent for it, well, now it's that's basically the only legal hurdle that arguably could come against it is if this is something that's never been done before and it's a brand new thing. No, this is something that's been around. Posted a copy of the Ten Commandments has been around, as you mentioned, for, for nearly 200 years in schools up until that Stone v. Graham case. But then I was able to present some of the moral component because we we are seeing a rising generation that that no longer knows what right and wrong is and, and really even how to determine what right and wrong is as, as is evidence. We've seen so many shootings recently in, in the last couple of years and, and obviously the one in Nashville just recently where you had someone go in who obviously was confused on what was moral and right and wrong and obviously lots of issues. But the reason there's a level of irony in this is killing someone, murdering someone is a crime. And actually, like what happened in Nashville, when you go in and you you murdered all these children, that would be the death penalty in, in any state that has a death penalty, right? That That's the consequence. And here's the level of irony, is you would criminalize somebody, you would arrest somebody, you'd put somebody in jail, and maybe even you, you would give the death penalty to someone that was not allowed to see that killing someone was right immoral when they were a child they, they they couldn't see a posted sign that said thou shalt not kill even though they can go to jail for this and even be put to death for this there's a level of irony in that and the 10 commandments were always the basis of morals in the civilized world obviously in the western world and john adams pointed out that our constitution was only made for immoral and religious people it was wholly inadequate to the government of any other so if you if you don't have morals our constitution won't work why because in America, the idea, the whole the whole experiment was built on giving freedom to people. But if you have immoral people, then freedom doesn't work because all they do is immoral things. And, and then you have all kinds of issues. Freedom only works with morality. And the basis of morality is found in things like the Ten Commandments, the foundation of all law in the Western Hemisphere, the foundation of morals. So we were able to present this argument. And, and this is something, Texas is the, the very first state to have this legislation brought before them, again, by our, our good friend, Senator Phil King. And probably we'll have to get him on the program. Hopefully this is able to, to make it out of committee, make it to the floor, and hopefully become law and Governor Abbott can sign it into law. We hope that is what happens. But this is something that we we want to see this trend happen all across the nation. But as we're even going back, I'm, let me reconnect again. As we go back to even Mayor Adams up in New York City, part of the reason we're able to do some of this is when you have people – that are acknowledging there is a God and acknowledge that faith is important and it's real, well, then you can get to what is truth, where, where do rights and wrongs come from, because that is a foundation of faith. 
And that's really why we need both sides of the aisle, right? Whether it's Democrats, Republicans, if we don't acknowledge God, if we don't acknowledge a basic set of moral values, our nation won't work. And that's why this really is exciting and encouraging on a Good News Friday that you have a Democrat mayor doubling down on faith as there's so much pressure against him saying, hey, don't be, you know, don't, don't be religious, separation, church, state, whatever. And he says, I'm, I'm not backing down. That is really encouraging. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We've got more good news coming at you. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wall Builders. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to Walpers. Thanks for staying with us. It's Good News Friday, and Tim Barton's got our next piece of good news. Tim? All right, guys. This one, uh, as, as we've talked about already, uh, it, it being Good Friday, there, there are several faith stories that we want to highlight. The one I picked uh, is from Aaron. We're related to a gentleman named Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks uh, is a national champion wrestler. He was from Penn State earlier this year. Uh, I guess this was really just a couple weeks ago. Uh, he won the NCAA championship, the title, and it was for the 184-pound finals on Saturday. Uh, and afterwards, he was interviewed, and his interview was posted, and then it was pulled down because of all the backlash. Uh, well, what happened is he, he's very outspoken as a Christian, and he, on his social media, he posts Bible verses quite often. Um, and, and so the person interviewing him was also a person of faith, and so here, here's part of the interview, part of what got him in trouble, but also is, is great that he had the courage and boldness to say this. So the interviewer says, hey, I know we share a strong faith. How does that help you on a night like tonight? Brooks, who often shares Bible verse on social media, uh, then responds and says, well, it's everything. Christ's resurrection is everything, not, not just his life, but his death and resurrection. You can only get that through him the Holy Spirit, only through him. There's no false prophets, no Muhammad, no anyone else, only Jesus Christ himself. Now that's his, his opening line. He's, he's being asked about the championship and how did you do this and did the faith play a part? And, and so he says, look, only Jesus. That's all there is. It's his life, his death, the burial, the resurrection. It's only Jesus. And, and so then they continue the conversation. He says, I'm, I'm blessed. God used me. He gives me this platform for this right here to exalt him. That's all it's for. When I'm suffering, cutting weight away from family, it's all for him. It's all for his glory. Now, as you can imagine, there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of pushback from, it, 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 this was Aaron on ESPN. Uh, ESPN covered this, uh, or at least uh, this interview initially as it was posted um, and, and so, of course, it gets pulled. And then you have all these different ESPN analysts uh, and, and 
uh, different athletes that, that begin commenting back about how ignorant this was and how dumb it was and how how bigoted this was that that you would say Jesus is the only way which just to clarify uh, Aaron didn't come up with that notion Jesus himself said that he was the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through him so Jesus is the one that made the claim of exclusivity Aaron's just repeating what Jesus said about himself nonetheless he really uh, no pun intended, was getting crucified for this statement. And he has been staying strong in the midst of this. And so, uh, you know, guys, maybe appropriate as we're looking at, at, at Good Friday uh, and, and recognizing what Jesus did on the cross, this is something that just a, a, a couple weeks ago, you had a NCAA champion, a wrestling champion, a openly acknowledge not just that he was a Christian and not just that faith was important, but actually laid out some of the foundation of faith that it was, it's Christ. He's everything. His life, his death, the burial, the resurrection. All right, there's no false prophets, right? That whatever else, it's, it's only Jesus. It's all through him. It's really encouraging to see an athlete when he has that kind of platform, it, right? This interview is going on ESPN and he is open about his faith and not just again, not just about being a Christian, but even about what Jesus did, who he was, who he is, the only way to the Father, exclusivity. Guys, it was really encouraging to see that. And now we can pray that God encourages him and blesses him and gives him strength because he's going through a lot of persecution because of this. But really great to see him standing strong in his faith. All right, David, we've got time for – actually, we might have time for two more Good News Friday stories. Let's say, Tim, I, I, you want to place a bet on how long David's good news will be? Will you have time to do one? We're going to find out. David, what's your next piece of good news? Well, it's kind of on the same thing we've had all day, and it's people standing strong with their faith. And, you know, Tim, just what you're talking about, the guy takes a beating. The stronger he is, the more he takes a beating. But let me go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 10. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Implication is really clear. If you're silent about me, I'm going to be silent about you. So it's really in our, this is a Christian duty to be firm in our faith and to share our faith and Jesus said, look, you're going to get persecution. If you're following me, it's going to happen. So if we're trying to avoid getting yelled at or getting slammed or whatever, that's not the way to go. You want more courage and more boldness. And this next story I've got deals with that. Uh, this actually came out of Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville. And there is a, a student there, Maggie DeJong, and she's part of the art therapy program. Now, when you start getting into fine arts and art kind of stuff at most state universities, you're moving over on the fairly liberal side of the world. Not that any area of a state university is very conservative, but when you get into sociology, psychology, art, those kind of areas, they tend to be more liberal. And so she's, she's part of all these art therapy classes. And as part of the classes, the students are on all these discussion boards and they have all these different discussions and whatnot. Well, she happens to be a conservative Christian, and she shares her views as everybody else shared their views. And so they talked about everything under the sun going on. They talked about religion and politics and critical race theory and COVID-19 regulations and censorship and on and on and on it goes. And so they're all having these discussions on this board back and forth on all these social media platforms going back and forth. And it's interesting that three of the students in the class with her got offended at the fact that she was sharing faith positions. She was talking about God, talking about religious positions. So she was just sharing her faith. And they got offended at that. They went to the university, and the university issued an order that said that she cannot have any communication with those students at all. 
she it, it's a total shutdown of her speech and she can't it was called a no contact order she can't have any contact even indirect communications with the other graduate students because they said her political viewpoints when she expresses them they they consider that to be harassment and discrimination so here you are at university level and you can't even share your view without getting the university to shut you down well she didn't shut it down uh, she went and got help from Alliance Defending Freedom, and Alliance Defending Freedom went to the university and said, no, 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 you can't do this. And the university said, oh, you're right, we can't do that. And the university backed down. But Alliance Defending Freedom didn't stop there. They said, this, this is really egregious. You stepped into private communications on what she can and can't see on her private communications. And so they went to court, and the good news is the court said, this is so egregious, we're going to let her proceed with a lawsuit against the university because this is so out of bounds. And she stood for her faith, and she was willing to fight for it. She's in court now, and the court has said she can go forward with that lawsuit, suing the university for trying to limit her ability to express her faith, even in social media posts. So great news is, again, courage. And with this comes all the, the problems. I mean, she had the lawsuit, and she had the, the university after her, but you got to keep standing for what's right. And, and that's the good news Friday for Good Friday is Jesus Christ wins. And if we'll just take the right side, this is going to turn out really good. Well, Tim, if you had placed a bet on whether or not there would be enough time left for you to do another good news, uh, I don't know. Can you do one in 10 seconds? Are you that fast? Thinking, had we cast lots, I'm not sure I would have gotten his robe. But uh, <laughs> yes, I, one thing I do want to say, uh, so there, there are some great things the Founding Father said related to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, we did a social media video earlier this week uh, on uh, the Wall Builder social media site. So I encourage people to check that out um, to, to see some of the really cool faith connection there is. Obviously, American history, but even the Founding Fathers talking about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ as we're getting into Easter weekend and, and really remembering and celebrating the, the victory we have through Christ and the the incredible price he paid for us, a love that God showed for us, all the things that we can celebrate, enjoy, the emotions we can experience this weekend. Uh, but there is a great social media video out there giving some context for this if, if people want to find that on the, the Wall Builders platforms. Well, as the Mercy Me song says, that's the best news ever right there, folks. That's the best good news we could share, what Tim just shared with you. Hope you'll share it with your friends and family. Be sure and take a link to this fa- to this show from today and email it out, share it on your social media, and uh, we'll have links for that uh, story that uh, Tim has on our social media site as well today at our website. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to Wall Builders on Good News Friday. We stand undivided.